grab a seat. How are we doing tonight? Good, good. Well, I uh, got a call last week, and, and uh, Phil said, hey, can you come up and, and teach the uh, 6 o'clock on Sunday night? And I said, sure. I, I think it was his way of getting out of teardown. I don't know what you guys think, but I was just like pretty slick move. So he said, hey, what, over the last few weeks, he says, hey, what, what can you tell me about church planning? I said, I can tell you this, the last 35 years of your ministry have been like vacation. So this is going to be a whole new world for you, and uh, you're going to learn so much about digging in and the gospel and just the grittiness of the kingdom of God. And really, that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, one of the things that, that is exciting is, uh, with this church called Influence, is starting with an identity question. And it's really, who are we in Christ, and, and who are we designed to be? And so I want to do a favor. I want to play a, pray a blessing over our time, and then we're going to dive in, and you're going to have to buckle up a little bit, because I'm a little different than my dad. So we're just going to have to hang for the next 40 minutes. Is that cool? And thank you for the applause in the back. I appreciate that. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come to you because you're the King of Kings and you're the Lord of Lords, uh, because you're a healer and you are a truth teller and you desire for us to grow in the knowledge of you. And so, Lord, in the most basic, wonderful form as you can, would you teach us about our identity in Christ tonight so that, it, that as we come together as a church family, we truly can influence uh, this world for your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's take a minute and let's talk about cars. How many people here are car people? Like, like let, hold on, before I say if your car broke down, you could actually do something about it. Anyway, so that's not me. Um, I'm not a car guy. I don't know anything about cars at all. And so when I first started dating my wife, uh, we got a call from, from a family friend and said, hey, we'd like to give you um, our car. Now, if somebody's going to give you your car, you can rest assured of this. It's a piece of junk, right? So it's like they've decided they, they, they're tired of putting money in it. They're tired of registering it. They're tired of fixing it. So now they're going to get a tax write off it and let it be your blessing. And so we, we flew down to North Carolina and we picked up this 1988 Oldsmobile that was like as long as this room. And, and, and we got in it and it was, it was just the two of us and it was love and it was a memory. And we're cruising back up to New York. And, and, and again, I don't know anything about cars, but, 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 but not too far into the journey, the radio stopped working which was no big deal. It was just like, name that tune, we're in love, who needs music, and so we're having a great time. Then the air conditioning went. Who cares? Roll down the windows, feed her out the window, we're making memories, and then the car died. How many car people here know probably what happened? Any of you that raised your hand so courageously could speak up right now. No, the belt didn't break. Anyone else? There was like 17 of you that raised your hands. What's wrong with my car? Does usually when you run out of gas, does the radio stop? I don't think anybody hears car people. The alternator for the love. All of you are liars. You know nothing about cars. Changing the subject to lying. The alternator. I didn't know that either, so don't feel discouraged. So the car stops, and, and here's the thing. I kid you not, I'm not telling a pastor story. This really happened. Like the car stopped, and right where it stopped, we're in the middle of some field, and there's a chain gang cleaning the highway. Like, like, like prisoners in chains, like cleaning. And I'm like, oh. so Kim says, do you know anything about cars? Well, we've been dating for six months. I know about everything. We're dating. So I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. And so let me get out and take a look. So I open it up, and she's sitting down there, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, fix, fix it. Trying to lay hands on it, just burning my hand because I'm touching everything. And I, 
I don't know anything about cars. I don't know anything about cars. So I ended up going over to the leader of the chain gang and asking them to call a tow truck. They towed us in. They fixed the car. I still don't know anything about cars, but I do know this about anything that's created. In order to move forward, it needs either fuel or power. Anything that's created needs fuel or power to move forward. I know that. And this is what I know for sure tonight, that every single one of us in this room have been created by God. And know that any of us, for us to move forward emotionally, spiritually, financially, physically, whatever it might be, we need fuel and we need power to move forward as are the created beings that we are. And so I've understood this, and as a result of it, here's some things I've learned about kind of fuel and power in the human realm. We all need it. Every single one of us in this room need fuel and power. Yet many of us go often uh, in our lives without spiritual fuel or power. I know this. I know we all need it and we all need different types. Anybody here love to hang out alone? Anybody a loner in the room? I hate being alone. If I go decide to get alone for a few minutes, I'm text messaging somebody. Like, hey, what are you doing? I'm just getting some alone time. Why are you texting me? I hate being alone. Do you want to come hang out? I thought you were getting alone time. I don't get fueled by being alone. So, so for me, I, I've understood that everybody needs fuel, but, but we need it in our own unique way. Here's another thing I know. I know that we have to know where to get it and how to get fueled up by it. I know that it's imperative that we've got to know that. Uh, in college, I drove a uh, diesel Jetta. Anybody here drive a diesel? How great is, 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 is mileage on a diesel? So in college, I'd get 50 plus miles a gallon on this thing. How great would that be right now? So, so I, I, my brother-in-law borrowed it. I was out of the country on probably a missions trip or something, or at least it sounds good. And so he couldn't get a hold of me. And so, so he, he, he took my car and he was driving it and my car stopped going. It stopped moving. It, it, it wouldn't go any further. And so he called my dad and he said, Phil, I'm borrowing Josh's car and it's not working. What do you think went wrong? He put gas in it. He put gas in a diesel. Now, again, I don't know anything about cars. All I know is if you do that, it doesn't work. This is what I want to talk about tonight. Men and women, God has called us to something so great called his kingdom of God. And it's imperative that we understand a couple things. Number one, we have got to get spiritually fueled. And we've got to know exactly what to put in our tanks. I believe that one of the greatest reasons why we don't experience more freedom and movement in our spiritual lives is this simple thought, and I know this is going to be stretching, but it's simply spiritual maturity. I believe that we have completely lost spiritual maturity in a lot of our lives. No matter how many, how many times we've been going to church or how many years we've been going to church, sometimes we've lost the most basic principles of spiritual maturity, and that's what I would, we want to talk about tonight. Jesus would say in, in Matthew 6, 10, and I think it's, it's so rich and it's so real. He's sitting there and he's praying. And he, just says, he says this, God, I've got this vision. I've got this dream. I've got this picture. And here it is. You ready? That the will of heaven, the will of heaven manifests itself here on earth. Thy kingdom come on earth and thy will be done just as it is in heaven. God, there's this, there's this spiritual maturity and there's this dream that I have that the will of heaven would manifest itself here on earth and, and then earth would really reflect the beauty and the wholeness and the wonder of heaven. Could that be? And it's the most spiritually mature thing you could ever fathom. God, that the will of heaven, the will for my finances, the will for my spiritual gift, the will, the will for my marriage, the will for my life, the will for my spiritual gifts, God, that, that heaven has this will for me. 
and then it would manifest itself here on earth in and through me so that, so that heaven would literally take root here on earth. And it's the most spiritual, mature thing we could ever talk about. I think one of the reasons why we often forget that is because we, we, we fly past the basics. Maturity is something that uh, we recognize, and, and, and some of us in this room, we either personally or we know people that are just immature. They're immature in their marriages and their relationship. They're immature in their finances or, or, or we're immature in, in relationships. And, and we've let things get away. And I believe, and, I'm, and I'll speak for myself, I believe that it's so easy to get spiritually immature. I believe we can get so focused on everything else except for bringing heaven on earth. And I believe the reason why is because we forget some of the most basic truths of Scripture. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 2.10. I'm super insecure, so we're going to talk a little bit back and forth tonight, just the way that it is. So I'm going to say here in a little bit, Ephesians 2.10, and when you get it, I'm going to say, just say when. So I'm going to give you a second to turn. Ephesians 2, chapter 10. We're going to go over one verse tonight, and it's just going to be very basic, but I believe that if it sets root in your heart, if you allow it to set root in your heart, if you allow yourself to regress back to the basic principles of Jesus, I believe it'll bring great fruit in your life. Ephesians 2.10, just say when. See how fun that was? Let's try one. Just say when. Right? It's like we're doing this together. Okay, here it is. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works by which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, and he goes, let's just start here. You ready? We are created by God. We are created by God. In church of Ephesus, I want you to hear this, because we can get so busy being Christians, and we can get so busy being spiritual, and we can so get so busy in Bible studies that we forget this, this truth. You ready? We are created by God. I started thinking about this week, and I was like, what are some of the things that God created? Well, well, God created the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields, and, and God created these seed-bearing plants and, and waters and oceans and mountains and stars, and I started thinking about God's handiwork. And these are some things I thought about it. These are, these are some things that, that God's handiwork have in common, that they're alive, that, they're repro that they reproduce, that they're vibrant, that they're full of expression, that they're on purpose. And I started thinking about like, like, like birds and how they, they bank against the water and up against mountains. And I started thinking about flowers. I've, I'm short, my family's short. I don't know what happened. My dad's 6'2", my brother's 6'2", I'm 5'9", with a great pair of shoes. I don't know what happened. My son has already got the same thing. And so my son's walking like, uh, he's, he's like flower height right now. And he's probably going to be till he's like 14. So he's like, he's, like, he's like flower height right now. And he'll always say, Daddy, Daddy, smell these flowers. And, and I'll get down and I'll smell one. And he'll say, smell another one and smell another one. And, and we'll walk down these things. And here's the thing, I'm fascinated by a flower that opens up and expresses color and scent and wonder. I'm fascinated by a, by a bird that glides or a mountain that springs up or, or a star that falls. I'm fascinated by God's handiwork because it's unique and it's expressive and it reproduces and it's on purpose. And God says, you are his handiwork. And yet we, we think about God's handiwork and we ask the question, are you beautiful? Are you unique? Are you wonderful? Are you colorful? Are you vibrant? Do you reproduce? Are you on purpose? Or are you just here? Because God's word says this, if you are God's handiwork, it's literally impossible for you to be anything other than on purpose. 
It's literally biblically impossible for you to be made for any other purpose than to be beautiful and vibrant and reproducing and on purpose. And yet many of us gather in our own spiritual journeys and we go, God, I'm, I don't know that I'm on purpose. I don't know that my life is on purpose. I don't know that my relationships are on purpose. I don't know that my, my calling is on purpose. I don't feel vibrant. I don't feel full of color. I don't feel full of life. I'm just here. And Paul would write to the church of Ephesus and he says, you are God's handiwork. You were created by God. Scripture would say this in Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created to have their being. I love this passage because he says, God, you are worthy to be created because, because you created me. And I wonder how many of us here would approach the throne of grace and say, God, I'm just going to slow clap for a minute because you created me. So in some circles, like, that was a joke. Like, much more stupid humor circles. But we wonder, we go, God, could I ever go to you and just say, God, I'm just going to stop for a minute, and I'm going to say, bravo for creating me. Do we feel that we are God's handiwork? Or do we feel that we're just an epidermis living through years? Because Paul would say, it's so important, church, for you to understand this. It's so basic, but it's so rich. You were created by God. And everything's going to build. Everything's going to build. And so let's go to the next thing. He says, you're created by God. And then he says this. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in what? In what? Christ Jesus. He goes, okay, church, here's the thing. You're created by God in Christ. You're created by by God, and so you're, you're his handiwork, and you're beautiful, and you're, you're expressive, and you're vibrant, and you're colorful, and you reproduce. You're created by God, but you're created in Christ Jesus. I have a one-month-old, um, and so he, he, he eats, he poops, he sleeps, he screams. Anybody remember those days? So that's my, my kid. So my wife says to me the other day, she says, man, Crosby's so much like you, and I'm like, babe, he's a month old. How can you even say something like that? He's so much like you. I mean, look at him. Nothing. How do he's like me? And she goes, no, it's like he's so much like you because he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like nothing and then he freaks out. And then he's nothing and he freaks out and like, like he'll be sound asleep and, he'll be, and all of a sudden he'll just wake up and be like, ah, I'm hungry. And I was like, my, that's my boy. That dude is just like me. Do you know why he's just like me? Because he was created by God in me. Because he's got my DNA, he's got my reflection, he's got my, my patterns, he's got my, my, my expressions, because God made him in me. And Paul's going to write to the church and he's going to say, you're made by God, but you're made in Christ. So you are made to express and reflect the nature and the character of Christ Jesus. God made you in Christ, and it got me thinking about Jesus. Give you your Bibles. Go over to the book of Mark, chapter 8, and I started thinking, Jesus, I want to know, I want to just take a minute, and I want to say, if I was created by God in you, what can I learn about the one that I was created? Like, like I was sitting up here watching my parents, and I'm like, I see myself sometimes in them. You ever look at your kids or, or your parents and see those habits that you pick up, and some of them you can't stand, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, that drove me up the wall, and now I'm doing it. Or you see your kid doing the same thing you do, and you're like, that annoys me when I do that. Please stop doing it when you do it. So I'm like, I want to know Jesus, and I want to know what is it about him, because I'm made in him, Scripture says, 
Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Just say when. God's word says this. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man, meaning Christ Jesus, must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teacher of the law, that he must be killed and after three days raise again. He spoke plainly about these, and then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Don't you love the audacity of Peter? He's such a foolish man. And so he goes and he grabs Jesus, and I don't know what he said. I don't know what kind of rebuke it was. It was probably like, Jesus, nobody gets inspired when you talk about dying. Like, you're kind of the big deal here. So you go, the whole thing goes, so let's not do that anymore, okay? I don't know what he said. He issued him a little rebuke. And then Jesus said, I'm going to see your rebuke, and I'm going to raise you a rebuke. Look what he says. Then Jesus called to the crowd, or then he said, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Look what he said. Get behind me, Satan. That's a rebuke. I don't know what Peter said, but I guarantee you it wasn't as gnarly as, hey, Satan. And he looks at Peter and he goes, get behind me. You do not have in mind uh, the things of heaven, you have the, but, but, but the concerns of humans. And this is what I wrote when I read that. Self-preservation, self-gain, self-agenda equals self-destruction. It's that simple. Self-preservation, self-gain, self-agenda equals self-destruction. And Jesus says this, you are made by God in me. I do not worry about self-preservation. I do not worry about self-gain. I do not worry about self-agenda. For that just leads to self-destruction. Get behind me. Because the words that are coming out of your mouth are not the reflection of one that is in me. Yet how many of us would say that self-preservation, self-gain, self-agenda is a story of us? Like, like, how many of you just like me are super selfish? Seven of us. Gosh, you guys are way more godly up north. Um, or, or let's try this. How many of you wake up in the morning and go, okay, I gotta, I, I gotta run to work. I gotta go to, I gotta drop the kids off. I gotta run to work. I, I gotta, I gotta stop by the store. Then there's gonna be lunch, and I'm gonna go to lunch with Jim. I wonder if Jim's gonna pay. If I'm gonna pay, should I reach for my wallet? Maybe he'll just pay. Should we? Dutch? I don't know what we should do. And then I gotta pick the kids up, and I gotta go home. Does this look good? Are people gonna think I look fat or attractive or old? And then you go, and then, and then guess what? You've been talking about you forever. But no, that's not you, right? That's just the seven of us. It's not you. You're above that. But the rest of us, that's our life. We woke up and I got to get gas. Should I get a snack? I don't know. I've already had a lot. Right? And it's like, well, I got to go to work. I can't stand my boss. He's, he just doesn't understand me. No, I don't, I don't want to understand him. He's a jerk. Hi, Chai. Right? And Jesus goes, this is not me. That is just not me. And Paul writes to the church and he says, by God, you're vibrant and, and you're colorful and you reproduce and you're unique and you've got a purpose and you're made in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus says this, then he, he called the crowd uh, with him along with the disciples and can't you just see it? He's like, hey, everybody come over. Peter, you stay there and just get the Satan out of you. Everybody else come over here. Listen, here's what he says. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to reflect me, if you want to be in me, if you want to express me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me and the gospel will save it. 
Peter comes walking up. Jesus, self-preserved, self-agenda, self, self, self. Get behind me, Satan. Everybody come over here. Do you want to know what you're made in? You're, you're made by God, but do you don't know what you're made in? Denying self, preservation, self-gain, self-agenda. You're made in Christ Jesus. Do you want to be his disciple? Pick up your cross. You know, every one of us have crosses. No matter what age, no matter what story, we've got crosses. I was meeting with a, a woman that's, that's new to our church. We, we just started a new campus in, in San Diego, our second campus, and I was meeting with a, with, with a, with a new lady there. And uh, she, she began to speak to me, and she said, um, um, my whole life, I've used sexuality to, to progress. My dad left when I was five, and I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what else to do, and so at the age of 13, I, I, I was using sexuality to get into certain situations, and I, I've, I've, I've been abused twice. Um, I've got a child out of wedlock, and I don't know which way's up. And she's just tearing and snotting in a mess. And I, and I looked at her and I said, what's your favorite color? I don't know. Is what, like, what makes you laugh? Like right now, real go, right now. I don't, I don't know. What makes you cry right now? Just, I don't know. What gets you excited? What gets you frustrated? I don't, I don't know. That's right, you don't know you. You've been so busy avoiding your crosses and, and hiding behind, dying to yourself and learning to, to you, so you've never found you. You don't even know you, and, and Jesus looks at people and says, you've got to find you in me, and the only way to do that is to pick up your cross and realize you're broken and you're fractured, and I want to heal you, and I want to restore you. That's only going to happen in me. That's it. It's not through sexuality, it's not through work, it's not through influence, it's not through personality, it's not through people, it's because you are made by God in Christ Jesus. It's just, that's it. And Jesus goes, do you want to reflect me? Do you want to be my disciple? Then pick up your cross and start dying. For all of you that try to gain and save your life, you will lose it through sexuality, through finances, through success, through agenda, and you will finally, finally self-destruct because you are living in a manner in which you were not created in. You were made by God in Christ Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. wrote down a few thoughts. What do we see being formed out of Christ Jesus? It's this. It's a mind that has a kingdom focus. It's a, a willingness, a willingness to deny yourself. Does anybody here thoroughly enjoy denying yourself? Good on you for not raising your hand. I don't either. I love speeding, I love overeating, I love losing control of my emotions, I love blowing up on people, I love it. I just do. It's terrible. But none of that is what I was created in. And I love this about Jesus. He says, do you want to be in me? Die, deny, lose. 
So I'm insecure. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you guys. Are See how we're just growing together in trust? And so I'm insecure, and so I'm, I'm in a staff meeting, and um, I make some comment, and one of my staffers makes a joke about me physically. So I launch a verbal assault back at him, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Like he makes fun of me. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let's play. And so I just, just went off on him. I'm just hang in there. Sanctification. We're growing. And so... And so my assistant comes to me and she says, I just think you're better than that. And I was like, aw, that's so sweet. And she says, have you ever considered just choosing to lose? So I fired her. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. It was great, man. I got in my car and I was like, gosh, gosh, why can't I just choose to lose sometimes? Because when I'm created in Christ Jesus, I can lose. I can just go, that's funny. Okay. He says, do you want to be my disciple? Do you want to know what you were created in? Picking up your cross, denying yourself, losing you, to be found in him. And it's so basic, but Paul's right to the church of Ephesus, and he goes, you are, you're unique, and you're, you're beautiful, and you're wonderful, and you're vibrant, and you're full of color, and you're on purpose. You're created by God, and you're created in Christ Jesus to lose yourself, and deny yourself, and to get lost in the freedom of Christ. You're created by God in Christ Jesus. And the story even gets better. It says this, for we're created, for we are God's handiwork, created by God, created in Christ Jesus. Watch this to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. When was the last time that you did something that you were 100% sure God prepared in advance for you to do? Like, like it's, it's, it's beautiful. Listen to what Scripture says, and, 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 and I'm going to stay on this for a while, but it says in Psalms 119, Verse 16 just says this, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained before me. They were written in your book before one had ever came to be. That word unformed is the word embryo. God's word says that, that when you were just substance, when you were just an embryo, that God had preordained days for you and preordained agendas for you. It was written in his book. And my question is this, when was the last time you did something that you go, before my body was formed, that was on God's agenda for me. I mean, come on, what is it? Could you write it down? You were like, well, there was this one time that, um, what was the last time that you could say when my body was unformed, I'm so sure that God planned that for me. Like, like, this girl that I was telling you about that with her sexuality, um, the way that it all happened was our, our children's director called me and she said, hey, Josh, I just met with, with Marilyn. And, and, and she had checked on her children's thing that she was, she, she'd been saved. And so I, I took her out for coffee and I said, tell me your salvation story. And she said, you know, I just checked that because I thought I was supposed to. I, I know there's a higher power. And so, so, so my children's director said, you're going to meet with our pastor. And so she's a little type A. And so she called me and she said, I scheduled a meeting for 2 p.m. on Thursday. This girl's going to accept Christ. And I'm like, well, who's going to lead her there? 
And she's like, well, you are. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I, I sat down with this woman, and, and she's bawling, and she's confessing. And, I'm pray- and I said, can I just pray healing over you? And can I pray God's glory over you? And she said, that's fine. You can pray over me. But when you're done, can I cry out to God and accept Christ? And I said, oh, that's fine. I'll accept that. It's fine. You may do that. I'm sitting there in, this, in our church, and I'm, I'm watching this woman. She's, she's 26 years old, just a young daughter of God. And she's been abused, and she's been misused, and, and, and she's put herself in situations that God never ordained and she's bawling, and she's crying, and she's accepting Jesus as her Savior. And you know what I'm 100% sure of? When I was a substance, God preordained that day for me. I'm sure of it. We walked outside, and, and she looked at Bree, because Bree was watching her kids. You know, I mean, she's out, there watch, she's out there just for Jesus, just like arm wrestling this two-year-old while I'm trying to lead her mom to Christ. And so we walk out, and she says, Bree, I'm saved. This was just this week, and I looked at Bree, and I said, Bree, when, when, you, when your body was not formed and you were just a substance, God preordained this day for you. Hallelujah. Because you were made by God in Christ for something great. That's spiritual maturity. And it begs the question, doesn't it? Doesn't it beg the question? Can you see how everything builds? Can you, can you, can you see the way that, 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 that the enemy works and how sneaky it is? I don't know if you guys ever saw this movie because it was rated R, but I only saw it on TV because I'm a pastor, but it was called The Usual Suspects. Did anybody ever see that? You saw it on TV too, I know. Um, and so there's this scene at the end of it, and it says the greatest trick the devil ever played on anybody. And this is so profound was to get him to think he doesn't exist. See, I mean, rated R or not, that was good, huh? The greatest trick that the devil ever played on anybody was just to confuse him. And I think sometimes, and, and, and give, me, give me some leash on this, but I think sometimes we're confused with spiritual maturity. I do. I think sometimes, man, our Bibles are so worn in. You know what I mean? We've been at church for so long. We know, we've been through so many Bible studies. Like we could write Max Lucado's next one, but we got this thing down. And so we're spiritually mature. And I would start right here and I would say this. Do you know that you are a beautiful, vibrant, amazing creation of God? Do you know that you are full of color in life and designed to reproduce and be vibrant? Did you know that? Did you know you're made by God? Did you know that you're made in Christ Jesus to pick up your cross and deny yourself and to completely lose yourself? But here's the best part. Did you know that you're made by God in Christ and all of this is building for this amazing thing because God has a plan for you? Did you know that God has kingdom works in store for you tonight and this week? Man, I'm a pastor, and I, it is so easy to slip into false spiritual maturity, isn't it? It's so easy to miss the kingdom works that God has for us. 
And some of the reasons why we struggle is because some of us don't really feel all that beautiful. We don't feel that vibrant. We don't feel like we're to re reproduce. We don't feel like God has a, made us uniquely and fearfully and wonderfully made. We just think we are a wall flower. And I want you to know tonight, friends, that is biblically incorrect. That God made you to be vibrant. That God made you to stand out. That God made you to reflect His glory. Amen? That's why God made you. So that men and women would be drawn to your joy and your love and your life. And they would say, what makes you so different? And you said, oh, I'm created by God. Some of us aren't doing anything because of that. Some of us are struggling with the in Christ Jesus. Man, we are so arrogant and indulgent and selfish, it would make your head spin. And you know it's if that's you. You're like, man, me. And it's stealing the kingdom in you. And for some of us, it's, it's, just, it's been so long. It's been so long since God did anything great in and through us. I'm going to have the band come and and you can see, would you stand with me? I just want to talk to you for a minute as your stand-in minister of the gospel tonight. I want to talk to you to a minute as your friend and, and a messenger from the Lord. I, I want to say this. In our church, we, we, we say this often. We say, um, Sundays are not a religious day, amen? They're a response day. They're a day in which we hear the teaching of the word and the Holy Spirit ministers truth to us. And out of that, we respond, amen?